in Matthew 25, we're going to be looking at the parable of the talents. Some of your Bibles may say the parable of the loan money, the parable of the bags of gold, uh, the Bible in front of you is the NASB, what I'm going to be in is the NIV. How many of you have picked that up one week when I'm preaching, you're like, none of this matches because I'm in a different uh, translation, I'm in the NIV. But a powerful, powerful parable. It's one of those that we told you the, the very first week that Jesus is a master storyteller. He had a way of connecting with his audience, a way of uh, sharing truth with his, with his audience uh, like no one else. And he would capture their attention and capture their heart and send them away with something they needed to know. And Matthew 25 is no different. You're going to find a lot of similarities, uh, even with Luke 12 that Brandon shared last week with the parable of the rich fool. Uh, but we've been in parables, I think this is our eighth one. Um, and then next week uh, will be our last week in the parables. I told you week one, there's 20 plus in Scripture. Uh, so we'll come back and, and look at them again uh, at, a, at, a later, at a later date. But let me set this up in Matthew 25. Uh, Matthew 24 and 25, there's a lot of language about the end time. So Jesus in Matthew 24 is talking about uh, end time stuff. He's just with his disciples, and uh, you can read through that dialogue. They're asking, and Jesus is pointing to the temple, and he's saying one day that's going to be no longer. So they're talking about the temple, the destruction of the temple, the end times when Jesus is going to return. So as they are talking about this, it wells up and stirs up inside the disciples to ask some questions. And they ask questions, well, when is the end going to come, right? What are some signs, Jesus, of the, uh, of the last days? How should we be living our lives? How should we be carrying out who and how we are, right? And we as an alliance movement, our fourfold gospel talks about one of these, that there's going to be a, a coming king. Jesus is going to return, that, that Jesus is our, our savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming king. And one day, he's returning for his church. So Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable. He tells a story with these disciples of how they should live their lives how they should honor God with their lives um, as they wait and anticipate uh, the imminent return of Christ. If you have your Bible, it's in Matthew 25. I'm going to read a lot, so I apologize from that at the beginning, 14 through 30. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can also follow along in the app or on the screen. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, as he said he would, and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Uh, uh, brought the other five, and he said, "Master, uh, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more." His master replied, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness." Good job, servant number one. Right. Servant two, the man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many more. Come and share 
in your master's happiness. Pretty good job for this guy as well. He did what God had entrusted him to do. Uh, And then uh, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, uh, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You should have done something. You did nothing with what I entrusted you with. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one uh, who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have uh, an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw, sobering words, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot going on in this parable, isn't there? So Jesus, he sets up this story with the servant and the master. And one of the things we mentioned very early on is a parable, if you want to remember this, is an is a, is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In almost every parable, there's, there's something in it. There's one central truth that Jesus is trying to portray to his audience or to the people that he's talking with. So what is it in this parable? What does Jesus want his, his, his disciples to know about the kingdom of God? What does he want his disciples to know about how to live their lives before uh, he returns, right? How are they to carry on throughout their days? What, what should be some characteristics about who they are? That's one of the key themes in here. And one of the things we get locked into is the currency value that they had received, right? The talent, which would have been a, a way of currency during this time. And one of the thing, other things we get locked into is how much each one was given, But if I was to boil down this parable into one simple phrase for us to understand and walk out with today, it would be this, that Jesus is simply challenging and and, and, and teaching his disciples of what are you doing with what you have been given? What are you doing with what you have been given? Who are you living this life for, Jesus asked. Whom are you living this life for? Who are you serving ultimately? What is your life about? What are you doing with the gifts, the resources, the talents, the time, the treasure that Jesus has brought your way? Now in the parable, uh, as he's sharing this, uh, we can probably figure it out pretty quickly, but there's a master in the story. Anybody guess who the master is? That's God, right? Anybody guess who the servants are? That's us. And one of the things he says about each servant is he gave each servant according to their ability. He gave them. And that's important for us to know today because he did the same thing for us. As as God was forming you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 verse 13 says this. It says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And as God was forming us, listen to what he did. He gave us all different skills, different talents, different abilities, different resources to tailor fit us to carry out the kingdom of God on this earth. The Bible talks about that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We were fearfully and wonderfully made in such a way to carry out the kingdom work on this earth for our Heavenly Father. Aren't you glad that
that He didn't create us to be all the same. That'd be terrible. That just in this room, the differences, the abilities, the giftedness, the resources, the access that some of you have in various spheres of influence in this community are incredible, and God has equipped you with that to carry out kingdom work. And some of us, we may be in here today and think, I'm not sure what talent He's brought my way, right? But I can assure you that God has given everyone in here some giftings and some talents. And you may be bashful and you don't want to identify it and walk through life and say, well, I'm not gifted, I'm not talented, I can't do anything. Let me, let me stir that up a little bit by asking you a few questions to see where God, He may have wired you and maybe your lane that He's calling you to get in to serve for kingdom purposes. So let me just ask you a few questions. What is it that you like to do when you're not working? When you're away from the things that you have to do, what are the things that you like to do? It's joyful for you to do it. It brings excitement for you to do it. Maybe that is a gifting that God has given you. Uh, another question we could ask is what fires you up? What is it that when you accomplish it, you step back from it and say, man, so glad I did that. It, it, it excites you. It brings passion into you when you complete the task or whatever it may be. It may be a gifting from God. Another question you could ask is, what are you good at? If somebody were to get on the phone today and call you this afternoon for advice, uh, what would they ask you? Because you're maybe an expert in this area, you know a lot, or you've gotten a lot of wealth in this area, I would, I would say that God has given you a talent, a gifting. And it's probably the area God wants to use most to carry out His kingdom work in and through you. Maybe another one is, what do people compliment you on? When you get finished with something, uh, you step back from it, and other people see it, and they're like, wow. That was really good. I could have never pulled that off. You did an incredible job. Some of you are gifted in such a way that you see a need, and you don't have to question, well, let's, what's the risk factor in helping this? You just jump in and do it, and you serve. Some of you have a very uh, good thing about you can You have a great way of listening. You don't try to give all the answers, and you don't try to fix everybody's problems, but you can listen to people really well. Others of you are really good at giving timely advice. You can give an encouraging word in a moment's notice because God's gifted you and equipped you in a way to do that. Some of you are just incredible at, at hospitality and serving people or making somebody a meal or taking somebody a meal. It's just in, uh, in you to do it. How has God equipped you? How has God uh, given you resources and talents and spiritual gifts to carry out kingdom work? And if we were to boil down maybe these areas that this parable is talking about, is one of the things that God has given us all, He's given us all time, He's given us all talents, and He's given us all treasure, hasn't He? He's given everyone in this room time. Nobody pays a little bit more and gets 25 hours. Nobody gets shorted at 23 and a half. We all get 24, but we all choose to use those 24 hours in a different way. Some of you in here today, you wake up and you're not in a rush. You get up when, when you want, have your coffee and your breakfast when you want, do your devotions when it works out in the morning. Make a few phone calls, think, yawn, think, where am I going to lunch today? And that's kind of how life's working out for you. You're in that season where you can do that. Others of you in the room, you wish you could do that because you got to wake up on time, to feed kids on time, to get to school on time, then you get to work on time, right? And then get the kids from school when on time. you got to make dinner on time, get them to practice on time, get them to bed on time, and then wake up and do it all over again, all on time, right? And that's your life right now. But God has given us all the gift of time. And the thing this parable begs to ask, 
is what are you doing with the time God has given you? Another thing that God has given us all is he's given, he's given, he's given talents. We've all been given some talents from our, from our Savior. But when I think about some of you in the room, you can, see a, you can see a room or a house, and you can picture, if you're like my wife, you can picture how you would, you would decorate it and make it a whole lot better in a moment's notice. You just ha- you're wired that way. And that's the way God has created you. Some of you in the room that you could just have a huge pile of wood, and you could create something awesome out of it. I'm not that guy. I can't do anything right when it comes to that. Some of you can't. God has gifted us all in, in, a, in a very unique, in a very special way. Some of you can grab electronics, and you can do things on electronics that the rest of us only wish we could do. We're just glad we can turn it on and off and keep the charge half the time. But the thing that God has blessed you with, He's gifted you with, the time, the talents, the resources as well, He's given everybody different resources, some in the room a lot, some in the room just a little. But some people He's given access and resources and treasure to do some pretty incredible things for the kingdom. And the question on all of these, on our time, talent, and treasure, is not, well, how much have you got of each one, right? The question is this, what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what God has brought your way? This, last, this whole summer, really, in the last month, I've watched how this church has lived it out. Well over 100, nearly 100 volunteers given of their time and their talent to over 200-plus BBS kids in June. Every day, five days, serving children. 14 kids came to Christ for the first time. They gave of their time and talent and their resources to make that happen. Incredible. I've watched this church this summer. After the Memorial Day tornadoes that took place in North Dayton, you gave nearly $6,000 to help support families in need. It allowed the staff to go up there and walk around some of the areas around that were hit the hardest with one of our Alliance pastors and hand out gift cards. And the rest of that huge chunk of money is going to go to the Ohio Valley District where we, they have the desire of supporting 90 families up through Christmas and beyond. Because the recovery is not going to be months long. The recovery is going to be years long. There's going to be opportunity you'll hear about uh, for us to come alongside and support families that lost everything. You gave of your treasure to make that happen. I've watched as well this summer uh, volunteers pour in, husband and wife, with their kids to, to come out here and give of their time after their jobs to paint the atrium and scrape walls and patch walls and, and make it look a whole lot better. And it's a work in progress and there's more to go. But people use their time and their talent. They said, That's, it's valuable to me. I want to do that. So they jumped in and they did it. I watched Judy Seal. I don't know if she's in this hour or if she was in last uh, she, when we talked that we were going to Social Road Transitional Care right across the field to serve that body because they wanted some chapel to take place. So her and I have been going over the last three weeks and she t- takes her little keyboard over and plays songs and we sing them. And there's not a ton of people in there, but she's using her gifts, her time and her talent and her treasure for the kingdom of God to bless people. That's what she's about. And I'm so thankful for it. I want you to look at the screen and take this to heart today. When the body of Christ uses their time, talent, and treasure for kingdom purposes, the advancement of the kingdom takes place. Uh, when the body of Christ uses their time, their talent, and their treasure for kingdom purposes, the advancement of the kingdom takes place. And I could go story after story after story of those of you in this room that not only are given tons of hours within this body every week serving, 
But in this community with ministries we're connected with, it's unbelievable because you've caught it. You understood that you're just, you're just one that's going through this life being a steward of what God has given you. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It says very clearly, each of you. It doesn't say consider it. It doesn't say think about it. It doesn't say tag it on, you know, tack it on to your busy schedule. It doesn't say if you think, well, if you're not quite gifted and talented enough, you're exempt. It says everybody, everyone should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have been given a gift from God, and your role is to be a faithful steward to that gift. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He just taught, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about the spiritual gifts. He's talking about being the body of Christ, being one. And then he says this to cap the section. It says, now that you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. It means we all have a part to play. It means every single one of us have a role to play. There's no bleachers in Christianity where we get a watch. Some get a watch. We're all in. We're all engaged. We're all using our gifting. We're going to be held accountable for whether we did or not. So the question is, this parable begs to ask, is what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with the time, the talents, the treasure, the access, the resources, all the stuff God's brought your way? Are you using it for the kingdom of God? Or does it just sound like a good idea that you should be? This parable points to something that's somewhat sobering. And I think it fits the American church to some level. I didn't really need to ask those questions at the beginning to stir it up and get you to figure out where God's gifted you. Most of you know by now. You know the areas that God has allowed you to, to maybe excel, that you're passionate about, that you're excited about. And while most Christ followers know that area, sadly we find ourselves, a lot of us, like the third servant. And symbolically, we've, got, we've had, taken the shovel out and we buried the gifts that God, the talents that God has given us. And it's scary what happened to this, to this third servant. Instead of leveraging what, what God had, had given him for the kingdom of God and to expand it and to, to maximize it, he made up excuses. What's the first thing he did? He said, well, servant, you're a, you must be a hard servant. So I'm going to play it safe. Uh, I'm not going to jump all in. I'm not going to trust you in this area fully because you're a hard servant and what did he do he hit it and he accomplished literally nothing and his character was that of self-centeredness he made it truly about himself and he had the audacity not only that to receive this talent but to come to a place where he said you're just a hard servant you're not somebody that i can trust and somebody that i can follow through with why would jesus throw this third servant into the story I believe it's for this reason. Because he wanted us to see for what it was. And he wanted not only his disciples, but each one of us to never go down the road where we find ourselves being the third servant. That we serve a God that he's the giver of every good gift. He's blessed us with so much. And for us to get a shovel out and bury what God has given us is a grievous sin that we'll see here in a second. What, what were some of the mistakes that the third this third servant made? Well, one obvious one is how he viewed the master, right? He viewed the master in a distorted, wrong way. 
He said he's a, he's a hard servant, so he played it safe. He didn't want to take any risk, and he buried the money. But actually, what is the master? We read it in this passage. He's very generous. It says in this that he gave this, this, this servant one talent, which was equivalent to, anybody may know in this room, up to 20 years worth of wages. One, one talent was. How many of you have had your boss call you in and say, you know what, you're doing such a good job. Here is 20 years worth of wages. Anybody? No, no. I mean, it's just crazy what this guy received from the master, and it's a great picture. And not only did he just give out one, but he gave out eight. And you can do the math on that of how many years, decades worth of resources and money he entrusted to these servants. But he viewed the master in the wrong way. And he viewed the master in the wrong way, which led him to make poor decisions. 1 John 3, 1. That's how he should have viewed the master. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And here's what the third servant missed and here's what we often miss. That we serve a God that lavishes His love on us. You ever stop and think about that? It's crazy. That we serve a God, we often think of God up there, arms crossed, just glaring at us, waiting for a mistake so he can pounce, right? But the Bible paints a picture that we serve a God that lavishes his love on us. Not only that, Romans 5 says this, it says God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, while we were still going down our own path, doing it our own way, God demonstrated his love for us in this. And he sent Jesus to the cross. It's one thing to tell somebody you love them. It's one thing to write about that you love them. It's a whole other thing to demonstrate that you love. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. We went through James about a year and a half ago. And uh, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We must remember that God loves us. We must remember that every good gift comes from God. We must remember every resource, every talent, everything that comes our way is an absolute gift from God. Because when our perception of God is off, our reality of God is off. And we'll say, God, did you mean this in this area? And we will begin to call all of this untruth truth, and it will lead us down a path to make horrific decisions. Think of some of the seasons in your life where you made just the lousiest decisions. I'm sure it was a season in your life where your view of God was distorted. Because you simply said, you didn't verbally say it, but you said, God, I can't trust you in this area. And I'm going to take it into my own hands and we'll just see how it goes. And the decision you made ultimately put you in a bad spot. This third servant missed it. It led to a poor decision. It led to him hiding burying the talent that was entrusted to him. And what did the master say? I'm coming back. You're going to have to give an account for the things that I gave you. The Bible doesn't always give us all the intricate detail of exactly how they were positioned, where they were, how close they were in proximity. But sometimes when you read the Bible, I have to think in this area, when it got to this point in the story, Jesus pulled him in a little bit closer. And he looked his disciples straight in the eye. 
He said, never go there. Yeah, this is a story about a master and their servant, but you're just as susceptible to doing this. I want you to understand, while this is just a story about his master and their servant, our Heavenly Father, He's really going to return. And you're going to have to give an account for what you did with the things that were so generously given to you. Don't be like the third servant. The third servant, verse 26, says his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Sobering words. I want to read this to you to be up on the screen. It was from one of my commentaries, and it was too good not to add. It says, to fail to do good with what God has entrusted to us and to fail to use it to increase His kingdom is a grievous sin that will receive severe punishment. For it means that one never knew or loved the Master. It's not about what you have. It's about what are you doing with what you have. Our world actually tells us it's about what you have. Get more. Buy more. Do more. And our Savior says, no, what are you doing with what you do you do have? Are you stepping out in faith and using the talent, treasure, and giftings that I brought you? I want to close with this. And I want you to hear these. At the end of times, it talks about that there's going to be two judgments. And uh, this first judgment that I'm going to read in, from Revelation, uh, verse, verse, Revelation 20, it's for those that do not know Christ. And they call it the great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne, it's those that are not in Christ. They live the life rejecting Christ. They live the life separated from Christ. And one day, they're going to stand before God. And they're going to have to give an account for their sin. They're going to have to give an account for their life of separation from God. And it's a sobering word that Jesus shares about this in Matthew 7. And I want to share it with you today. And I hope that no one in here ever hears these words. I hope these are words that affect you so much that you hope nobody in your family, nobody that you know, ever hears these words. Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Listen to these words. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The great white throne. You may know somebody today that's headed for the great white throne. Because they're not following Jesus. And I hope you see to it that God has given you influence and relationship with them. That you do whatever you can to share Jesus with them. And that nobody in your family, friends, co-workers will hear those words, depart from me. For those of us in Christ, there's another judgment that's going to take place. It's called the judgment seat of Christ or the, the Bema seat of Christ. And there you will not give an account for your sin, but you'll give an account for what did you do with what you were entrusted with. 
We read this passage in Romans 14, 10 through 12. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account to himself, to God. What will you say? What will you say? What will you want to hear from God? I want to hear the words, well done. Good and faithful servant. I know as many of you in this room do today. No one wants to hear, as we see in this parable, apart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. But I want us to hear this again today. There's no middle ground with Jesus. You're either in or you're out. You read the rest of Matthew 25, and you'll begin to see some language about where Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. And he's, he's separating. You read through Revelation, and there's, there's, you're either in or you're out. There, there's no middle ground. Well, there is middle ground. It talks about being lukewarm. And if you're lukewarm, you'll be spit out of your father's mouth. And that's where it goes in this passage, 2 Corinthians 10 or, or 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ won't determine salvation that was already taken care of when you put your trust in Jesus. He took care of your sin at the cross. Uh, you will no longer be condemned for it. In Romans 8, verse 1, you can read about it, but you will give an account for what you did with your life and how you were a steward of the gifts and the resources and the time and the talent and the treasure, and you will stand before God one day and do that. James 1, verse 12, the book we went through a while back, says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that is promised to those who love him. What are you doing with what God has given you? Church, this is so important. This may be one of the most important parables that you hear. And listen to what Jesus says life is like in this parable. Life is like this. It's God gives us everything we have. That we're to be stewards of it. That we're to live lives on purpose. That we're to live lives on mission. That we're to make the most of what we've been given. God says, I'm going to put in your bank account some time, some talent, and treasure. And I want you to maximize it for the kingdom of God. And one day, one day, I'm returning. Or one day you're going to go before our Father in heaven. And you're going to have to give an account for what you did with what you've been given. Let me share some good news out of this. You won't have to give an account for the things that you haven't been given. This guy that received one talent was not accountable for the guy that received five or the other guy that received a couple. But he said, what did you do with the one that I gave you? We're going to be held accountable for that. I want to close with Mike Carroll sent me this little section of a song that the Gaithers actually wrote many, many years ago titled His Will. And I want to close with this section of the song to... Uh, just to let it resonate with you for a minute. But just as you would give your child a good gift and want them to use it, so your Heavenly Father has given you good gifts. And He wants you to use it. And here's the song. It says, He will not ask who we are. He will not care where we have been. He will not see all the goods of earth we own. And he will not turn at whom we knew. Nor will he feel our fame that grew. 
who only ask, did we find and do his will? What are you doing with what you have been given? Let's let this parable be a a teaching moment for all of us to maximize, to be great stewards, that when our Savior returns, that he would find us faithful with the time, the talent, the resources, everything that he's brought our way. Let me pray. God, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for Matthew 25 and the teaching you did thousands of years ago with your disciples, your closest. But it wasn't simply for them, it's for the church even today. That we would take to heart, that we would often ask the question, what am I doing with what I've been giving? Given? How am I using my time, my talent, my resources? Not God, how much do I have? But what am I doing with what I do have? So God, stir in our hearts, speak to us in whatever way we need to hear from you. You know best. And God, I pray that you would encourage us before we leave this place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.